the goodness of God. He's amazing, isn't he? I love that story, Beth, about the crackpot. And I was thinking of myself coming out this morning uh, because um, we couldn't find William's shoes. And of course, Jane traced it back to me and we discovered that, where could they be? I said, I set them there, definitely set them there, couldn't find them. And uh, suddenly I thought, maybe they're in the bottom of the wardrobe. You know that place, maybe you don't have it, but this place where I bung everything. <laughs> to get it out of sight, to make the place look a bit tidier. She opened the bottom of my wardrobe and started poking through the stuff. I'm not going to tell you what I was there. But anyway, we found one, one shoe. And then uh, we were really getting flustered because we couldn't find it. And Jane <laughs> says it wouldn't be in the laundry basket, would it? <laughs> So we'll find it in the laundry basket. <laughs> and she says to me, they all put you up on a pedestal, but they don't know the real you. <laughs> so I, I hold my hand up, but I'm a bit of a crackpot, and I think you are too, if you're honest. <laughs> There's a crackpot in every one of us. So we're going to continue with the story. I'm so excited about this story this morning. We're going to link up from David and just remind ourselves that God had established David to be the king of Israel. Remember, as a young man, uh, he had learned about God's table. He had learned to sit at God's table. He wrote Psalm 23, I believe, when he was younger. Maybe it was older, but I think it was younger. But anyhow, he says in that, you prepare a table before me. And so David had experienced the goodness of God. That's what this song is saying. He'd experienced the goodness of God. He knew what it was to sit at God's table. And he knew what it was to sit in God's presence. And uh, God had brought him to the palace. And he had been made king, and he had been established as king. And uh, God had not only done all of that, but we read in 2 Samuel chapter 7, we read that God had given him a promise that uh, from his family tree that there was going to be a continual blessing and that eventually uh, the Messiah would come from David's very own family. And we read that in... um, in in 2 Samuel 7, I just want to read just a couple of verses where God had told him that from his family would come, that he would build a house uh, which would go on forever and ever. And here's what David said in verse 28 of 2 Samuel 7. He said, And now, O Lord God, you are God, and your words are true, and you have promised this goodness to your servant. Now, therefore, let it please you to bless the house of your servant, that it may continue before you forever. For you, O Lord God, have spoken it, and with your blessing, let the house of your servant be blessed forever. See, he he believed God, and he spoke it out, and he said, let the blessing. And, of course, we know that right from from David, right down through his family tree, eventually came the greatest blessing this world has ever known when Messiah came to Bethlehem and fulfilled his promise. Came to the city of David, the son of David. Isn't God an amazing God? He keeps his promise. And I, as I read this and I read just those verses, I, I was 
really taken with the, the goodness of God and how David appreciated the goodness of God and how he believed God. And so as he sat on the throne and as he enjoyed the palace, we're going to skip over to chapter 9 and we're going to see that out of his enjoyment and out of his blessing, God put something in David's heart that he wanted to bless others. He wanted to put the blessing out. And that's why God blesses us. Because he loves us. But he blesses us to be a blessing. He blesses us that the blessing will go through us. And so we're going to read this beautiful story of Mephibosheth. And we're going to read it from 2 Samuel uh, chapter 9. And let's just read what it says. One day... This is David in the palace. One day David asked, Is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? So he summons the man named Ziba, who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Ziba? The king asked. Yes, sir, I am, Ziba replied. The king then asked him, Is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. Do you see how he wanted the blessing to go through? Zeba replied, yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive. He's crippled in both feet. Where is he, the king asked. In Lodibar, Zeba told him, at the home of Machar, son of Amiel. So David sent for him and brought him from Machar's home. His name was Mephibosheth. He was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. And when he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. And David said, greetings, Mephibosheth. It says that David sent for him. I think it's the message says that he didn't lose a minute in sending for him. This is God's heart to us. He doesn't want to lose a minute to reach out to a broken world. Mephibosheth replied, I am your servant. Don't be afraid, David said. I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table. Mephibosheth bowed respectfully and exclaimed, Who is your servant that you should show such kindness to a dead dog like me? This is what he thought of himself. It says in the message that Mephibosheth couldn't look him in the eye. And he said, I'm just like a stray dog. Then the king summoned Saul's servant Ziba and said, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him to produce food for your master's house. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, will eat here at my table. Verse 11, Ziba replied, Yes, my lord the king, I am your servant and I will do all that you have commanded. And from that time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly at David's table like one of the king's own sons. What an absolutely beautiful story. David didn't lose a minute when he heard that Jonathan's son was still alive. And uh, one of the translations, I've written in your notes, one of the translations says that, that David wanted to show God's unfailing, unsought, and unlimited kindness. The unfailing, unsought, and unlimited kindness of God. 
Do you know what David was wanted to show the love of God, the love that he had received from the Lord, he wanted to, to show it to others. He wanted to show it to anyone who was left from the house of Saul. Remember that Saul's family, the rest, Saul and the rest of his family had been David's enemies, but here he was wanting to show God's kindness. And I, I just feel how this is such a beautiful picture, such a beautiful type of Jesus. We know that David had been a shepherd and now he was a king. What an amazing picture. Put the both together and you've got Jesus, the shepherd king, the one who wants to show us his unsought for. Sometimes we don't even seek for God's grace and his goodness and his love. But you know what? He longs to show us his unfailing, unsought and unlimited kindness. He wants to show that to you and to me. And so David puts out this request. Is there anybody left from the household of Saul? And of course, when he, when he realised that there was, he wanted to know the story. He wanted to know what had happened to Mephibosheth. And if you look back just for a moment to 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4, we'll just read one verse, and in one verse we'll see the story, what had happened to Mephibosheth as a young boy. Here's what it says. Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son who's, who was lame on his feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came. This is the news came from, that uh, they both died in battle. And when that word came through, it says, Mephibosheth's nurse took him up and fled. And it happened as she made haste to flee that the child fell, Mephibosheth fell and became lame. And his name was Mephibosheth. So this was his history. This was the story of Mephibosheth. The nurse let him fall. He was being carried and in the, in the haste to get out of the palace, the child was dropped and he became disabled and he became lame on both his feet for something that was not his fault and he found himself we realize that later on in life or i don't know how quickly he was taken to this place called lodibar but he was taken to a place called lodibar to the house of a man called Micah. it's very interesting i just learned recently that, and this is just a side. Makar, do you know who he was? He was actually a brother of Bathsheba. I just learned that recently. This was a man who, who had kindness in his heart to take this little child in. That's just by the way. Lodabar literally means a place of no pasture, pasture or a place of not having anything. It's a place where nothing grows. If there's no pasture, nothing's growing. It's a dark place where nothing will grow or flourish. A place that was where nothing was blessed. A place where nothing changed. A place of no expectation or hope. A place of self-pity and feelings of worthlessness. We get this whenever we see Mephibosheth saying, I'm a dead dog. We see the, the lack of self-worth. We see how he saw himself. We see a man who was deeply wounded. Lodibar speaks of a place of no inheritance. Mephibosheth had been the king's son. He was the, the grandson of Saul. He was a prince, but he ended up being a pauper because of what life dealt him, because of his story, because of the, the, the way that, that life events turned for him. He, he ended up growing in a very 
poverty-stricken place with no inheritance whatsoever. Lodibar, I'm just putting this in on my own bat, but I think it's okay to do that. Lodibar speaks of getting as low as you can get. A place of no faith, no joy, no hope or love. Instead, a place of shame and self-rejection, even self-hatred, leading to self-abuse if possible, and eventually death would be Satan's ultimate goal. Jesus said he came to kill and to steal and to destroy, and that is exactly a picture of Lodibar is a type, if you like, it's a picture of what the enemy wants to do. He wants to rob us of our inheritance, and he wants to bring us down as low as he can bring us. Whenever I was um, in my teens and in my 20s, we went to Inniskill Gospel Hall and there used to be a, a, a man there who would have spoken quite regularly and he used to speak about Mephibosheth. And he used to always look around. He was quite a severe, strict man, but he was a loving man too, very fond of him. But he used to look around and he used to say, is there anybody here that's down in Lodi Bar? <laughs> And our family, my brothers and I, we used to, it was a big joke, are you down in Lodibar this weather? <laughs> but you see, I don't actually think that Lodibar speaks of, you know, it was a sense of you kicking up your heels, you misbehaving. I don't think Lodibar was that kind of place. I think of the place of lack. A place of lack, a place where there was a lot of, um, a lot of, of emptiness no joy and no satisfaction. A place where you're not living to your potential, a place of loss, it can be that kind of place for any of us. And the truth is that spiritually speaking, every one of us have been born into Lodibar. We've been born into a, a place of estrangement from God, a place of no, no spiritual inheritance. We've all been born into the world. And the thing is, if this child was, was dropped this child fell. There was a fall. This, this little boy fell. And he, 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 was, he was disabled from that time on. He wasn't. And this is exactly what's happened to all of us, isn't it? Because of the fall, because of what happened back in the Garden of Eden, we've all been born with this, if you like, this spiritual disability. We're all born just like, just like Mephibosheth. And we've all suffered separation from God because of sin, and we've all lost our spiritual inheritance. See, that's why God hates sin so much. It separates us from him because he's a holy God. That's why he sent his son to pay the price for our sin. In fact, Jesus took our sin upon himself so that we could be reconciled to God and that we could be brought into the family. But you see, even when we trust Jesus as our saviour, do you know this, that Satan would try to keep you, even though your soul is safe? From the moment you trust Jesus as your saviour and you invite him to save you and come into your life, do you know from that moment on, you belong to God? But you know what the enemy would try to do? He would try to stop you moving from Lodibar. He would try to keep you in Lodibar instead of living at the palace. And so this morning, this is what I want to tell you this story. And with God's help, I'm praying that God will speak to each one of us about where we are. If we're down, if there's part of us, even part of us down in Lodivar, <laughs> because God doesn't want us there. God wants you and I to live as daughters of the king and to live at the palace with him. And so uh, poor Mephibosheth was down in Lodivar. 
I, I wrote in your notes uh, just a, a question, and I'm going to read this out uh, just for those, there might be some people even listening to us right now, um, uh, and we just want to read this. What have you in common with Mephibosheth? And here's some of the questions that I want you to ask yourself. Does it seem that life has dropped or dumped all kinds of bad situations on you, making you feel angry and full of fear? Do you feel that you've been dropped by people that you thought would always be there for you, but they let you down and you can't forgive them? Or do you feel perhaps that you have fallen over and over again by making the same mistakes and you just feel you can't get up again? Maybe it feels like there's been so much failure in your life that you have no hope and you're carrying a lot of guilt and shame today. You're down in Lodi Bar. And finally, maybe you're full of self-pity and negativity about yourself today because you're in spiritual, a spiritual Lodi bar. Mephibosheth saw himself as a dead dog. He considered he had no worth. He was living in Lodi bar. But, here's the but, David sent for him. We've read the story. When David heard that, that Mephibosheth was alive and living down in Lodibar, the message says he didn't lose a minute. He sent for him. And you know what? God has sent someone for you. God sent his son for you. God sent his son. Do you know that the moment that Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, do you know what? God was there to, to close them. How did God close them? There had to be a death. They didn't know what death was up to that moment. But at the moment of their sin, at that minute, God was there to provide a sacrifice and use the skins to cover them, a prophetic picture of his own son that he was going to, going to send to save mankind, that we could be brought back into the arms of the Father, that we could be brought to his palace to live with him now and throughout eternity. What an amazing God that we have this heart of God to send his son for you and for me. You know, as I was thinking of this, I was thinking of, there was a song we used to sing, we don't sing it now, but we used to sing it whenever I was in my teens and twenties. God sent his son, they called him Jesus. He came to, to love, heal and forgive. He bled and died to buy my pardon. And life, life is worth the living just because he lives. Do you know what? He died for us, but he's alive. Isn't it amazing? That's the God that we have. And so, and so David sent for Mephibosheth, and he wanted to bring Mephibosheth up to the palace. Do you know, he was lame on his feet, so we can only imagine that he was carried. We can only, I mean, there was no wheelchairs. Maybe there was some kind of wheelchairs then. I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you. But they either got him under some kind of a wheelchair, or they carried him. And you know, there's a song that we used to sing, it's, it's, a, it's maybe not so well known, but it says, carried to the table. And that's what God has done for all of us. He's carried us to his table. He's carried us up to the palace. 
And in your notes, I have written, God has always wanted to show you his unfailing, unsought and unlimited love and kindness. He has always wanted to raise you up from the low life and bring you back into the kingdom way of life and back to thinking like a child of God. Through forgiveness, God wants to restore you to your original glory, to dress you in his robes of righteousness. You know, when when Mephibosheth was brought up to the palace, he was brought up to sit at the king's table. And, And although it doesn't tell us in this story, we know from other parts of scripture that when God brings us back to himself, he always dresses us. Remember the prodigal? Bring forth the best robe. Put the ring on his finger. This is God's heart for us. Kill the fatted calf. This is always God's heart for those of us who come back to him. Those of us who have come for the first time are those of us who have come back maybe after being away from him, after maybe grieving him, maybe backsliding and being away from God. God's response is always the same. He brings us to his table. He kills a fatted calf and he restores us. And I love Isaiah 61 and 10, especially especially in the New Living Translation. It says, I am overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God, for he has dressed me with the clothing of salvation and draped me in a robe of righteousness. You see, God, God wants you to know that he restores to you what was lost when you come back to him. And if there's some of you today and you feel that you've been in a kind of a spiritual load of bar, I want you to know that God's waiting for you to come back. God wants to give you the best. He wants to clothe you. He wants to wash you clean. He wants to put a new dress on you. He wants you to sit at his table. He wants you to know that he loves you. I'm going to ask you a question. How do you see yourself? I want you to pause for a moment and think about that question. What thoughts have you had about yourself today? You see, many of us find ourselves basing our self-worth on how others see us or on what we can accomplish. Maybe today you're feeling shame from the past. Maybe you're thinking that you have to look good that you have to set some kind of standard for yourself before you can can come back and be fully embraced by the Father. I want to tell you today that you don't have to do that. You You can run to God just as you are. We used to sing that old song, and I know Jerry loves it, just as I am, without one plea. But that your blood was shed for me, and that you bid me come to you, O Lamb of God, I come. Oh, you know, I would love today that if you're feeling just a little bit in Lodi Bar, maybe you know you're saved, maybe you know that God loves you, you know it in your head, maybe, maybe, maybe it's just that you've grown a little distant or a little bit of unbelief has crept in and somehow you're not enjoying God's presence, I tell you, the Lord is saying, don't live down in Lodi Bar, get back up again, come to me, come to the palace. Don't feel you have to be loved or approved by other people. Just come to him. Don't allow your past history to determine what you're going to do right now. Don't think you have to be competent and adequate and achieving everything before you're accepted. 
Don't be striving for some kind of a standard that's unattainable. Don't think you have to be perfect. It's amazing how many, many of us suffer with this perfectionism. That we have to be a certain standard before God receives us. That's a lie from the enemy. Don't think that you have to be responsible for everybody else. Just, just look out for yourself. Just run and don't let the enemy steal your joy. I believe today that God wants to really show us more of his love. I've written in your notes a little heading, the divine exchange. That God sent his son... To, and, and you know, God wants you to know that, that he is able to restore you because Jesus, who didn't know any sin, became sin for you so that you might become the righteousness of God in him. That you might be dressed and able to live in the palace with him. Many of us are saved, but we're living and we're thinking as if we were living in Lodibar. We might know that we're daughters of the king, but it's still possible to live and think like paupers and like spiritual orphans. And Jesus said that he, didn't, he wasn't going to leave, leave us as orphans. He was going to send his Holy Spirit to us. And I tell you what, if you are living like a spiritual orphan and you're living, as it were, spiritually speaking, in Lodibar, you are not living and you're not experiencing what Jesus died for you to live and experience. Jesus died to bring you up and to let you know that you are now a daughter of the king and it's your right to come to the palace. How do we, how do we enjoy palace life? Well, I'll tell you, it all starts in how we think. It's by the renewing of our mind because this is where the enemy operates. He operates in our thinking. He operates in our thought life and he brings negativity and lies and especially condemnation. And even though, now there's such a thing as the Holy Spirit convicting us about sin, I know that. And we need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And when he convicts us that we're doing stuff that's not right, we just need to come and confess it and ask for forgiveness and get washed and cleaned up. But God doesn't mean us to go under condemnation and feel estranged and feel as if we're living in Lodabar and away from the palace. The Lord does not want us to live like that. His blood avails for us to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we bring it into the light, we're immediately brought close to God. We're immediately in the palace. And so we need to recognise the lie of the enemy. And you see, when we begin to realise the truth, what did Jesus say? He said, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And the truth is that Jesus died for you. And the truth is that he wants you to know that he is now living in you. And he has brought you to live with him. Spiritually speaking, the palace is a kind of the picture of the kingdom, if you like. But he wants you to live in this kingdom of light, not in the kingdom of darkness, but in the kingdom of light, life at the palace with him. And that means that no longer are you going to be overwhelmed with unbelief. You're going to start believing. You're going to start you're going to start speaking out the truth and believing what God says and not what the enemy says. And so when, when Mephibosheth was brought up to the palace and David said he was going to give him back all that had been lost, give him back the inheritance, well, he must have been overwhelmed. And he must have been dressed like one of the king's sons. And this 
this man who was lame on both his feet, and you know, spiritually speaking, that's what's happened to us. When we're born into this world, we are spiritually lame. We can't walk. But God has carried us and he's brought us up to the palace. And I believe that God wants us to know what it is to start believing him. There had to be a place where Mephibosheth was willing to accept this and believe. Hey, I can stay here. I'm not just up on a visit. I'm actually now being treated like one of the king's sons. And he's brought up to the table. And it's been so often said when he was at the table, nobody could see his disability. Nobody could see the flaw. He was like all the other king's sons as they sat around that table. But you know more than that, he now not only could enjoy the palace, but he now had some authority as one of the king's sons. Years ago, we haven't been, Jane and I and William, Jane and I used to go, whenever William was, was uh, with his dad, we used to go to the Steve Donner for maybe a couple of nights, a wee break every now and again. And uh, we often had thought we'd bring William, but uh, we sort of thought, no, he wouldn't really appreciate the spa. You know, we like the spa. No? <laughs> so uh, no, he wouldn't really appreciate it. And then it turned out that actually his father couldn't take him and... Uh, things happened and we thought well we'll try him so we arrived at the Steve Donald and we got into the room and uh, they had all the you know the ropes set out in the bed three ropes in the bed so we got William into the swim gear and got him into the robe well do you know what it's like he took on another appearance altogether (laughs) it was like a metamorphosis all of a sudden the shoulders went up and the boy got the slippers on and down we went to the spa Well, you never saw anybody who enjoyed the spa like that. He went round everything, the steam room. You couldn't get him out of the steam room. Sitting up in the, in the, in the pool, you know what you call those? What do you call those? Jacuzzi. Sauna. Everything. Swimming pool. Up the swimming pool. He absolutely loved it. You see, he got used to palace life very quick. <laughs> you see what I'm getting to? You know, we're not half enjoying our, our, our salvation. We really aren't. The Bible says that there's, we're to draw the buckets of joy from the wells of salvation. I believe God wants us to enjoy this freedom that he has died for to give us. This clothing that we're dressed in. Stop, for goodness sake, judging yourself by your flesh. Look, I'll tell you something. Over the last few weeks, I have had battles. I know you have them because I have them. Because I so often listen to the condemnation. But you know what? The Lord's shown me again and again and again. There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And God wants us to enjoy our salvation. And more than that, more than enjoying it. He wants us to know that we now have authority. Do you remember at the end of Matthew's Gospel, Jesus said that one of the last things he said was, Behold, I have all authority, now you go and make disciples. He has given us authority. And just recently, Jerry and a few of us have been very conscious that we're not using our authority because we're listening to the lies of the enemy. We have been given authority. I'll tell you, William loved the spa. But do you see whenever we went down to have the meal in the evening? I'll tell you, he surprised us. Here he is, the waiter. <laughs> and the waiters were scurrying around him to see what he wanted. He 
had authority. <laughs> I'll tell you something. God wants us to enjoy what Jesus died for. Yeah. He wants us to enjoy it and he wants us, he wants us to be to be people, to be women who are pass on the blessing to others. David passed on the blessing to Mephibosheth. You not tell me that Mephibosheth didn't pass some blessing on to others. God wants us to be an ongoing thing. He wants us to be full of faith, not unbelief. He wants us to be full of hope, not hopelessness. He wants us to love instead of being afraid. He wants us to have a healthy self-worth where we love ourselves in a, in a God way, thankful that God has made us in his own image and died for us and saved us. He doesn't want us to be full of self-hatred and self-loathing. That is something that comes from the enemy's pit. It's not from God. Love your neighbour as, love the Lord your God with all your heart and your mind. Love your neighbour as yourself. There's enough love. God wants us to receive his love and to let it flow around us and through us. Freedom from bondage and legality. God does not want us to be tied up in bondage. He does not want us to be legalistic. He wants us to enjoy the freedom that Jesus died to give us. Forgiveness, not holding grudges. He wants us to be a forgiving people. A lot of the time that we're actually living spiritually speaking in loaded bar is because we have not forgiven someone and legally speaking the enemy's got the right to keep us down there forgiving others is the key to getting out of the out of loaded bar and up into the palace jesus said that if we have been forgiven we must forgive forgiveness doesn't mean that we invite the person necessarily back into the former role that they were in forgiveness means that we choose to forgive as we have been forgiven and we release them to god forgiveness is not a feeling forgiveness is a decision it's speaking it out and saying lord i am choosing to forgive no matter about these feelings that I'm experiencing right now, I am choosing to forgive and to release this person and even to say, Lord, would you bless them? I release them to you. That takes a weight off you. That takes a hook out of you. That releases you from Lodibar and brings you straight up to the palace. Into the best room. En suite. Hold on. God wants us to be full of strength to allow our weakness to become strength. God wants us to know who we are. I read this uh, last night somewhere. Your identity is not your sin. Your identity is your saviour. Don't allow your identity to be stuff that has happened to you in the past. Don't allow your sin, don't allow your struggle to become your identity. Your worth does not depend on what others think of you. Don't allow the opinion of others to define who you are. Know that God has more for you. Know that he wants you with him. That's why Jesus died. Christine Cain says, God deliberately chooses imperfect vessels those who have been wounded 
those with physical or emotional limitations. Then he prepares them to serve and he sends them out with their weakness still in evidence so that his strength can be made perfect in that weakness. Isn't that a comfort? Isn't that the truth? The long series of disappointments that you accumulate in a lifetime can stop you from moving forward into all the goodness that God has planned for you. And that means that those disappointments will be stopping not only you, but all those that God has destined you to reach along your life journey. The enemy wants to stop you with your weaknesses and with this, your failures. He wants, the enemy wants to heap that on you to stop you, to stop you from your own destiny, but to stop you from helping and being used by God to bring so many others into their destiny. I'll tell you, the enemy is a stra- he's, a, he's full of strategy. He's a strategist. I can nearly say that word, strategist. I'm not trying to say it again. He's full of strategy. <laughs> Christian Cain says, often the very things that you think disqualify you are the ones that qualify you to do what God has called you to do. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes the very things that you think disqualify you are the very things that qualify you to do what God's called you to do. And then she goes on to say, when there's a fight between your heart and your head, experience has taught me that the best thing you can do is pick up your Bible and remind yourself of what God said. We need to, to get this battle in our head. We need to speak out truth so that the lies in here, because actually loaded bars in your head. That's where it is. And you can live in loaded bar in your head and live like a pauper and live like a failure and failure a failure and take on the dead dog mentality. That's what poor old Mephibosheth did. He had taken on the mentality of the dead dog. He felt he was good for nothing. He felt he had blown it. He felt he had nothing to live for. He had no inheritance. He had nothing to live for. He was in a place where nothing was going to grow, where there was no pasture, where there was nothing of any enjoyment. He was just in a place of deadness. But you know what? He moved up to the palace. And when he moved into the palace, he found that this was a place where faith, where faith moved. I'll tell you what, when we live with the Lord, when we, when we experience the joy of knowing and believing and speaking out of the goodness of God and enjoying his goodness and being open to be used by him, when we open ourselves up to the possibilities of palace living, everything changes. Everything becomes possible. All of a sudden, we realize we're a daughter of the king. We have authority. We can pray with authority. We can speak the word of God over lives with authority. We have been given authority because we're daughters of the king and we're living at the palace and we can speak out the words that God gives us with authority and see things moving at the palace. Where are you going to live? Are you going to live in Lodibar? Are you going to move up, pack your bags today? Are you going to move up to the palace? That's the question. C.S. Lewis says, look for yourself 
and you'll find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin and decay. But look for Christ and you will find him and with him everything else thrown in. You know, so often we're trying to find ourselves. So often we're trying, it's all about us. Do you know, I believe if we could just get a right of ourselves and, tr- and keep our eyes on Christ and keep looking on him and his perfections. Because you know what? It's never about my perfections and it's never about yours. It's about him. It's about his perfections and what he has done for us and what he wants to do through us to bless a world that we might become partners with him in kingdom living, that we might see God's will coming to earth as it is in heaven, that we would see palace life coming down from heaven, coming down on this earth, and that we would live this life before a sinful world and be, be an absolute enigma to the people around us. That people would look and say, what are they on? That people would look and see the joy of the Lord being our strength. That people would see God's wisdom flowing out of us because we're open and we're saying, God, I don't know what to do here, but you can flow through me. Thank you, God, you're so, so good. Do you know, it's so easy for me to stand here and give a message, and it's so easy for you to think, that I'm different to you and that I get up and I give the word and that I don't have the struggles either. I don't ever want you to think that. Because I'll tell you, every one of us are made of the same material and we all have the same struggles. And over the past weeks, I have had so many struggles of particularly, you're getting older, you're getting past it, you're giving out the word, but really, you know, what are you doing? Is it all, you know, condemnation, all of this stuff. I'm being honest with you. I hear the voice the way you do. I hear the landlord of Lodabar in my ear as much as you do, maybe more. And over these last weeks, I have just felt like this battle. And God, I want to really enjoy your presence. And sometimes, sometimes because the enemy's pulling you down into the lies, you're not really enjoying it. I said, God, I call out to you. Well, now I have a wee cousin who lives in America. I talk about her a lot. Sally's her auntie here. Well, she sent me a text just a week or two ago, and she said she'd been praying for me. And she said she was praying one morning, and she felt the Lord give her one word, and the word was insignia. Now, that's a strange word, insignia. And she said she didn't really even know what that meant. But she went and looked it up and she realised it was like a sign of, you know, it was like being um, rewarded or, uh, you know, having like an insignia over your name or whatever. So anyway, she phoned yesterday and said that she felt, you know, God has been really showing her that I just needed prayer and she'd give me this word. And, and so last night I'm lying in bed and I'm thinking to myself, insignia. And then I felt like the landlord of Lodabar, uh, the enemy, I felt him saying, that sounds a bit like tombstone. That sounds a bit like an epitaph. Maybe the Lord's gonna, you know, take you on home. I'm telling you the truth. You're getting older. We all have these fears. Let's be honest about it. You're getting older. What's all this creaking about your body and all that? So I'm listening to these lies in my ear. 
And then all of a sudden, and I'm saying, Lord, I don't receive that. And all of a sudden, I remembered about the talk this morning. I remembered about the palace. And it suddenly struck me, there's always an insignia at the palace. And you know what I felt the Lord say? It's the lion and the lamb. That's the insignia. That's where you're at. And I felt like God was saying, this is a word for you to receive. Take this insignia upon yourself and step up into the truth of who you are and stop the fears and let the fears go there. And you know what? I'm telling you that because I want you to know that I have struggles the same as you. But listen, we need, we need to speak out the truth and we need to ask the Lord, come and show me your truth. Yeah. And he will. Do you know what? He is the truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. We have direct life. We're sitting at the palace. We're at the table. There's a feast spread before us. Remember, David said, in the presence of my enemies, Beth, give that word this morning in the prayer room. He prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. We're still on earth. We've still got the enemy around us. But here we can sit at the palace and we can enjoy the table. And so this morning, I just want to encourage you. I wonder could this be a moment that you would maybe mark as a special moment. I wonder would this be a moment that you would say, I've had enough of this. I want want to make a... I want to make a declaration that I'm ready to move, that I'm packing my bags. In fact, I don't even need to bring my bags with me because I've got a whole new dress and outfit up at the palace waiting for me. I wonder would you be ready to make a declaration this morning? Because I'm going to play you a piece of music. And I want you to take a few moments and I want you to ask the Lord, what is he saying to you today? And I want you to take a few moments. We're not going to sing today. And I want you to ask yourself, What's the Lord saying to me? And what am I going to do about it? And if you feel that this morning would be a time in your experience that you just physically want to make this declaration that you're, you're moving to the palace and you're open for the Lord to use you to bless others. I've just written in your notes, why not take your place at the royal table and dine with the King of Kings on a daily basis? Why not accept your true identity as being the King's daughter? Why not live in your true identity and use the authority and the resources given to you? This will fulfill God's God's purpose to bless you so that you can bless others. Why not make this story your story? Why not take your place at the table? The palace was a place of joy and freedom because the king was there. And Mephibosheth was now a member of the king's family, sitting at the king's table. We're going to play this piece of music, and I'd love you to think that over before the Lord. And if you feel that you want to make a statement today before heaven, I'm inviting you to come up to the front just to stand along the front because we would love to pray with you and pray over you because I believe that God wants to take us into a new place in himself where we experience more of what it means to live with him in his palace 
enjoying his table and being equipped to bless many others around us, that we would know and experience the goodness of God and pass that goodness on. Let's just take some time now. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you will speak to all our hearts. Lord, you know I'm the first one to run to the palace. Feel a need, Lord, to let go of some of that loady bar thinking. Let it go. Lord, I love you, and I know that the women here love you, and I just pray this morning that this would be a significant move forward for many, many women as they would step out and declare, I want to move out of Lodi Bar. I've been hanging around there too long. Father, we just now give it all over into your hands. Ask you to speak, Holy Spirit. Would you just speak as we listen to this music? Would you speak into the hearts of every woman that they will know what you're saying and they will know what you're asking them to do. Thank you, Lord, for your name's sake. Amen. It's time to let the old life die. It's time to let the old nature put it to death. It's time to step forward and say, I want to live in the spirit, the Holy Spirit's anointing and power. I want to be spirit-filled. I want to move in the spirit. I want to live at the palace. I'm calling you up this morning, not because I want to see a lot of people up here, but because I would love to see you having the courage of your convictions to come up and say, do you know what? I want to be done with loaded bar thinking. And I want to live at the palace with the Saviour. I want to see him face to face. So Lord, we just give a moment or two if there's anyone else who wants to come up just to make a declaration to heaven. Lord, we want to pray over these ladies. Lord, we want to, we want to speak words over them, Lord. We want to bless them. We want to see you moving in their lives. We want to see this being a new day. We want to see this being a moment, Lord, that is going to be an important moment in their lives. A moment of decision to say, Lord, I'm ready to go further. Lord, I'm joining myself with these women today. Lord, I want to stand with them because, Lord, I want more of you. I want to know what it means, Lord, to be a daughter of the King. I want to know that more than I do right now. God, I want to know what it is to use the authority that you've given me as a King's daughter. Lord, that I might pray with more authority. God, I want more of you. And I believe that the women have come here today because they want more of you. And so, Lord, right now, I would just thank you for every woman who is standing. I thank you, Lord, that you want them to receive. Lord, you want all of us to receive, but just for those who have moved out. Lord, those who have made it their business to move out right now as a declaration, Lord, may they experience you this morning. And Lord, would you just give them a double portion? Would you give them words even throughout the rest of today? Yes. God, as they read the word of God, may we hear over the next week or two of amazing ways that you've been that you will speak to these women lord you have a plan for every life and lord i i speak the blessing over all of these women in that in that way of moving into the more of what god has for each of you and father for every woman who's seated we know that they love you and we speak the blessing over them as well 
but we thank you for this movement forward. We thank you that you love us to actually move our body. You love us to acknowledge you. You love us to step forward. Lord, thank you that these women have had the courage of their convictions. We just pray your blessing over us. I just pray even now, just Jerry, even if you have any words or joy, if you have anything that you feel you want to speak, I just feel now is a moment just to speak into a word over these ladies. It's the first I have read recently, didn't know it was in. And I'm going to read it and I'm just doing something symbolically. Um, Did you put the mic on there, Jim? Second Corinthians 6 says this We use the weapons of righteousness in the right hand for attack and the left hand for defense. Now, I've only read this in the past month or so, and I'm asking the Lord for greater revelation as to what it means. But it's First, there is a right hand in attack against the enemy and the things that we put in our heads, the landlord of our body. Because we stand greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So, Father, we are raising our right hand. Because the Lord Jesus lives within us. It's not of ourselves, but in the name of the Lord Jesus, we raise our right hands and we ask you to bind the voice of the enemy who wants to keep us from fulfilling our destiny. He wants to stop us from blessing others. So we raise our right hands in attack for you to silence the voice of the enemy in Jesus' name. And we raise our left hand. We raise up the shield of faith. I have this picture of us standing with the armor of God and we hold the shield of faith in our left hand. So we hold up a shield of faith with our left hand that you will guide us into all that you want for us and that you will help us. God, we need your Holy Spirit to come and help us to hold on to that shield of faith and to speak out your word into situations and even into our own minds and our own spirits when we need to so we can live in the palace. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jerry. I also had a picture just when we were standing there, and it was a picture of like a royal carriage and a sense of God. There would be times when we need to be down fighting, and the Lord will be out in front with the royal insignia, the insignia of the king. We go behind him, he goes in front. We are not left on our own devices. I have this picture of him, of his insignia, as he goes out to battle, and we come in behind. But there are times when we are weary and we're tired and maybe we're sick and we're, we're, we're just in a place where we need help. Do you know what? I had this picture of him putting us into the carriage and taking us in the carriage with the royal insignia on the front of the carriage. We need to know who we are. We are dearly loved daughters. 
the King of Kings. He has a plan for every one of us and we're not too old to see those plans coming to pass. Let's trust him in these days. Let's see that insignia. The, the, I believe it's the lion and the lamb. There are times when he walks with us like a, as a great big lion. There's a picture going around at the moment of a huge lion with a, with a young girl in the long dress walking beside the lion. And I believe that's what we need. We need it. And there's other times he's a lamb to us. But you know, as we go out to battle, remember, the lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed. He has prevailed for us. He has won the battle. And he is the one we go with him. And he leads us forward into the difficulties of life because life is difficult but praise God he has already won this battle we belong to him he's the king of kings and the lord of lords and he's the lamb of God who give himself for me and for you amen go in peace and we'll see you next week